Hello, everybody. This is Kim C., and you're listening to The Year of Underrated Stephen King, a one-woman book podcast that takes a deeper look into the underrated works of Stephen King. Hello, ladies and gentlemen and fans of Lisey's Story, I hope. Welcome to the weekly coverage of Apple TV's Lisey's Story. We are going to be discussing episode 7, No Light, No Spark. So we're getting close to the end, my friends, and I've had such a wonderful time. And the deeper we go into this novel via this show, the more questions I have, the more I want to discuss, the more elements I want to talk to all of you about because as I've been mentioning week by week and even more than that throughout the podcast, Lucy's story is an absolute mind scramble of a novel. It is puzzling from start to finish. The very language itself is this strange, bizarre code So yes, if you've been listening and following along week by week, we so, so, so appreciate that. And we hope that you've been enjoying the weekly coverage because we have been having so much fun watching these episodes, jotting down notes, scratching our heads, shaking our heads, and all around um, putting our hand in front of our face because we've got some gnarly violence. Yes. Uh, And even today's episode, we were not unscathed. But yeah, episode seven guys quite an emotional roller coaster I was all over the place I was freaked out I was crying uh, we got a lot to talk about so before I dive in to the structure of this episode please 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 make sure you have recently watched the episode because I am going to be spoiling everything. I'm going to be talking about all the things that happened on the episode as well as pulling in some stuff from the novel. So the other aspect to this PSA, of course, is make sure you have read Lisey's story because specifically in today's episode, I'm going to be talking about the fate of a certain character. So hopefully you know what I'm talking about if you've watched the episode. But if you haven't read the novel yet and uh, are making your way through and you're just wanting some spoiler-free coverage on that, take a minute, take a couple weeks or so. Let's save these on your in your queue for a later time because I don't want to ruin anything for you. Uh, because the novel of Lisey's story is a labor of love, folks. It is one of the most hot button books in the constant reader community that I've found thus far. I'm sure there are others, but this one, as well as The Girl Who Loved Tom Gordon, I've noticed is like love it or hate it. So depending on your reading journey, you can let me know where you are on the fence of love slash hate because I most definitely am in the love category. But please make sure you've read the novel. I will proclaim that from the mountaintops every day (laughs) 
henceforth from now until forever because I believe in it. I believe it's a really important king work, so make sure you do that. Um, if you need any encouragement along your reading journey, please reach out to the show because I have some helpful tips and tricks for you. Um, and then also make sure you fully watch the episode because we're going to be diving right in. So let's do that right now with a summary of last night's episode. So I have a couple bullet points just to kind of catch us all up from where we were from last week to where we are now. Uh, so to this episode, um, I was going to say today, but I actually watched it last night. We're about that 12 to 18 hour post-watch where I've let things gel a little bit. I've written down some questions and some observations, but regarding episode seven, no light, no spark, stuff gets real, 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 my guys. So, whew, all right. So last week's episode was pretty fantastic. We had Lisi head to Booyah Moon via her backyard swimming pool. She got some healing from the pool. She helped Amanda escape the canatonic cat. Cat? <laughs> wow, this is a live on air stroke moment, folks. Not that I'm joking about strokes. They're very serious, but this is definitely a minor cerebral crash here. Catatonic. Oh, there we go. Catatonic state or haze or blur. A mind melt for sure. Uh, Amanda was able to escape and the sisters, uh, Darla, Amanda, and Lisi gathered together. All was revealed of what happened about Jim Dooley, his plan to kill Lisi and take whatever remains of Scott Landon's legacy, whatever secret works, which he already stole a box from the office. I don't know what more he... I got some questions about that, but... There is a, a plan being forged where Lisi and her sisters are going to enact some vigilante justice. So that was last week, and this week we had a lot of stuff go down, specifically from the point of view of Scott. So we have oh, precious Mr. Scott Landon uh, at a book event, and this was really cool, guys, because the, I wanna say, 100% of the Lisi story novel is from the eyes of Lisi. So this was a really cool thing to see a chunk of the story completely from Scott's perspective. He's at a, um, a book, it doesn't look like a book signing, but he's at an author event where he's going to read, he's going to read a selection of his new book. I'm assuming a signing would be a part of that, but he is the guest of honor. There's a lot of tickets sold. He's in this really gorgeous auditorium and he starts coughing. And I don't know about you guys, but seeing people cough that realistically, oh, I, I was feeling a lot of things. Um, a very frightening cough uh, from Scott Landon. This escalates greatly. We are going to talk about those details in the next section, but the coughing escalates to bleeding, uh, more on that to come, but soon a hospitalization visit follows. Lisi is called in the middle of the night, dead sleep. She's rushed to the hospital where Scott passes away. Then uh, we have a showdown, a sort of trap sprung in which Lisi awaits 
it's Jim Dooley in Scott's office. The lights are out. This is an action sequence. We've got some still Jim Dooley grossing me out with his violence against Lisi. Super freak out, creepy night vision. We've got some broken fingers on Lisi's side. We have our sisters trying to help in man-to-man combat. It's, it's pretty dramatic. And then... The conclusion of the episode is fantastic as we have Lisi magically, powerfully able to latch on to Jim Dooley and drag him to Booyah Moon. Or rather, she's able to transport them both. So I'm very excited, mostly because I have read the book and I'm very excited for what goes down, but... I'm sure you guys, if you've been tuning in and you haven't read the book, you can probably guess where it's going. You know where it's going, um, which uh, we should all be really excited about that because Jim Dooley has proved in this miniseries alone that he is a really malevolent force, a very sinister villain, super creepy, very violent, very dangerous. I hate his guts. So uh, justice is going to be sweet here pretty soon and Lisi is a newly formed creature. She has kind of undergone an evolution of sorts, a rebirth of sorts, where she remembered through the trauma that Booyah Moon is a real place. It wasn't a hypothetical, mythical, imaginative haven for Scott and his brother Paul. No, it was a real place, a place that she has been to many times over her marriage with Scott, and it's real, it's got healing powers, and it also has monsters. So that's what we've got going on in this latest episode. As I mentioned, the big ticket for next section is going to be talking about Scott's death slash fate. So let's gear up for that. But before we kick off, I did want to mention once more, one of the currents I've been riding along with throughout my coverage of Lisi's story is that this series, guys, as Steve wrote the teleplay for all eight episodes, this seems so steeped in the the passion for the text. And so I really feel this series is only going to hit hardest with those of us who read the book. And I got another indication of that last night. I was watching the episode with my boyfriend and he's never read the book. He's actually never read Stephen King. So (laughs) Uh, yeah, more on that later. But he's really been enjoying the mystery of the series, the strangeness of it all. So he's been enjoying everything that's happened so far. But we were talking about the episode and he thought the the flashbacks to the shooting at the university, the groundbreaking, where we have Scott shot in the chest by a crazy deep space cowboy, a crazed mentally disturbed fan and then Lisi with the silver shovel for the groundbreaking ceremony in the novel she slaps the gun out of his hand um but in the show she like cuts his face open with it which is pretty wild and uh definitely makes me curious about if that did something to imbue the shovel with some magical powers I don't know but 
uh, I don't remember if she actually like hits the guy in the head. I, I think she did. She, I think she did in the novel where she smacks the gun, maybe hits him in the head. I need to go back and reread that chunk. But um, we have that flashback. And for those of us who read the novel, we know that that is in the past. That was one of the first sort of moments where Lisey sort of connects some things um, and observes her husband's healing, XYZ. But uh, my boyfriend, a completely neutral party, thought that that was a flash forward and that the gunshot was actually how Scott dies in real life. So I think it could have been easy to mis mistake that because the show... Well, basically why I'm bringing this up is did the show do a good enough job of providing a clear path? Because I know they've been showing the time jump with Lisey's hair. Um, it's longer in the past and short in present day. So, but yeah, I guess that was still unclear. Um, and so he was under the assumption that when Scott is bleeding in this episode, which we'll talk about more in the next section, when he's bleeding in the bathroom of this auditorium with a visible gunshot, he thought that it was somehow a premonition for the future. I don't know, but it's like, if you're going into this with not, with having not read Lisey's story, I find that fascinating because it, it brings up a lot of questions for if the show did a decently balanced job of, um, really telling this story accurately. So more on that in the next section. And then we're also going to be discussing my favorite scene as well as my favorite performance. So hopefully that'll get our engines revved. Thank you guys so much for sticking with me and I'll see you in the next section as we further discuss episode seven. Alright baby loves, let us now break down our observations from episode 7 into greater detail. And I want to start with the one that totally kept me thinking in the middle of the night. You know, those moments when you wake up for a quick second and right before going back to sleep, I was thinking about Scott's fate. So if you are an early fan of the podcast, shortly after my Lisey story coverage, I was speaking to friend of the podcast and constant reader Liz R. And I remember telling her we were having a discussion about how I was a little upset in the novel how Scott exited. I felt like it didn't really connect or resonate with me at least the first time I read the story. The second time I had a little bit more acceptance and peace in my heart because Liz R. re- emphasized how much of a tragic character Scott Landon is, and he totally is, my guys. He just really is a, uh, 
oh, he he brings the pain and he brings the tragedy with him. And we see that. We see that in this amazing uh, section of the episode that belongs to Scott and his perspective. I love this auditorium they chose. It's a really cool, we see him arrive. There's a ton of fans outside. It's like a movie premiere. He's such a star. And um, it gets a little uncomfortable pretty quick when he starts to cough. And it's a pretty legit, realistic, frightening, dry cough. Um, also, inside said auditorium, I think Pablo Lorraine is really tipping his hat or giving a small wave to the legacy of Kubrick because I got Overlook vibes. I got Overlook vibes and I have the uh, the Shining film in mind when I was watching some of these scenes beautifully filmed. So he's in this really cool auditorium, starts coughing, locks himself in the bathroom, and there's blood. There's blood coming from his chest, which... It was a little unclear on my first viewing, It look, but it looks like the gunshot. And we also have a flashback to the shot itself of where it hits him in the chest. We also see his hand bleeding in the same spot he bled once when he smashed his fist through the glass when he and Lisey had that argument years before they got married, when they were still dating. So... I'm led as the viewer to believe that old wounds are reappearing. Old wounds have opened up again. And this was super wild and interesting, guys, because this is not in the novel. We don't have that in the novel. Uh, everything's from Lisey's perspective. It's just her reaction to her love of Scott, her observations of him, her losing Scott. So getting this was a real treat. Um, and so probably the biggest, wildest treat, which, God, this was so unsettling. Um, but Scott manages to go to Booyah Moon. We see that via the faucets all turning on. He disappears and he locked the bathroom door and appears outside looking fresh as a daisy, looking good. And I breathed a huge sigh of relief of that, thank God, right? And then we see him get up on stage and he starts to kick off his night with all the fans and this dry cough resumes and it intensifies and it's like, oh, it's so awkward and unsettling and frightening and the most frightening of all, and this is what gives me a source of great questions, ladies and gentlemen, is Scott vomits up all the water, like a ton of water. And we've seen that the Booyah Moon sort of mouth faucet moment that he and Lisey have both given to Amanda, there's a lot that comes out. Like this is a, this is a shooting, <laughs> shooting moment of water. And a lot comes out and it's just like a real projectile experience there of all of this water coming out onto the stage floor and then he faints and it's super dramatic and unsettling and it leads me to think because we we do have the sort of mouth faucet action with Lizzie and Amanda in the novel but not with Scott and I just can't help but ask myself and all of you guys like what is King what do we feel King is getting at in terms with the water from the pool in Booyah Moon, always being inside of you. Um, and 
what that's about or if it's just if you've taken a recent drink, but if it was unclear in the episode what we find out when Lisi and he are talking in the hospital and Scott has a fever of 106, which is in the novel, and they are so perplexed as to what is wrong with him that they have put him in a kind of biohazard unit and uh, they don't know what he's got. They don't know if it's Ebola. They don't know what kind of like plague he has because he has the most strange symptoms. They thought it was pneumonia, but it's definitely not. And all they know is that like he is fading fast. So of course, it's a super mysterious disease because Scott has encountered some conflicts in Booyah Moon. And what we find out is that he did in fact go to Booyah Moon to go to the pool and get healing, but the long boy was blocking his path. I reread the scene in the novel to catch myself up to do some deeper comparative work, and it's it seems as though Scott tried multiple times to go back, um, more than what we saw on the show. We saw him go back, but he had been trying a couple times. He even went on an airplane, which blew my mind. That was straight from the book, chapter 14, I believe. And so I I forgot about that, but he was able to go to Booyah Moon from the air, which was really cool, but he had been several times trying to go to the pool to receive healing for what the novel says was a minor cold, um, and each time he tried to go to the pool, the long boy, this giant monster, this super freaky Dante's Inferno body glue <laughs> monster is blocking his path and he's unable to to get there and so Lisi in great frustration and desperation is just telling him please try keep trying go back and try um but what we don't have in the novel guys is these resurfacing of old wounds we don't have that per se um unless i could have missed it in my rereading of the text i definitely could have missed that so if i did please let me know throw some page numbers at me so i could get my my ducks in a row but oh my question this is just so perplexing for me guys because okay his his scott when he's talking to lisi you know he tells her the reason why this is happening, the reason why now he's in this situation is because he was infected by Paul um, years and years ago. When Paul went rabid, when after Paul was scratched by the long boy, this is of course speaking strictly from the teleplay, not the novel, but that Scott scratched him and forevermore, we even see a flashback to accompany this, he's been infected with the bad or some sort of curse. It, it's very layered and ambiguous, but he's been infected. And so, but what my question is, okay, so what happened that now the wounds started to come back and now he can't get to the pool? So yes, I believe the infection's probably true, but, um, yeah, so, okay, so if we have the pool water in his body all the time, what happened in the show to where all of a sudden 
this infection from childhood has just bided its time decade upon decade and now it decides to strike and by the way you can't go to the pool anymore like you only had about 50 years in you Scott like that's I guess I'm wondering what is the timing on this so I had a couple questions on the creative decisions they did for the show confused me a little bit um I also reread the scene in the novel, and so it is very different, friends. So if you don't want any spoilers, please pause your listening now. But in the novel, this is right around the la- the latter pages of the 400s, um, the same sort of thing happens. Lisi is summoned. She's told by doctors he has such mysterious symptoms, and they put him in this sort of biohazard unit. They don't know what's going on. And Lisi, um, she's like, you know, why didn't you go to the pool? Like, why didn't you go heal yourself? And he's like, I did. I can't get there. Um, And so what he says, and this is super duper huge, um, he says that he ate some berries. And so one thing that they didn't really talk about or touch on in the show is, again, more duality. This is why Booyah Moon is such a fascinating place um, because we have the healing waters of the pool, but yet we have a lot of monsters, and it's very uh, sort of Greek mythology doom encircling this place. It reminds me of the underworld in Greek mythology. If you eat the food or drink the food, if you eat or drink in the underworld, you are stuck there forever. And Scott always told Lisi, you can never eat food after dark. And that's a huge thing in the book that they didn't really touch on in the show. Rightly so, you have to make edits and cut corners as you do. Um, But he said that he ate some berries and he was so desperate to get to the pool that he licked the dew off of leaves. And I think that might have led to some raspberry consumption or not raspberry but whatever berry booyah moon berry some bm berry um whatever was there he ate it and the sun had gone down at that point and i think he was so desperate after multiple attempts of going to booyah moon trying to get to the pool that he just thought if i could just get a little bit of dew off of the leaves, which caused ingestion of food. And apparently, if that happens, it's like death in multiple ways, or death across dimensions, or rather, you're cursed or marked. Um, Very much as if in the underworld, it won't let you leave. So yeah, he was able to come back, but we do have that example of... I think it's episode five where Lisi took the flower, just like Scott had taken the flower from Booyah Moon. It instantly dies when it gets to the mortal realm or to our world. So I wonder if that sort of protective, I don't know. I don't know, guys. I don't know what it could be, but I have a lot of questions based on this iteration, the show's iteration of the the fate of Scott. Um, I think they're trying to take the angle of Paul's scratch from childhood, basically uh, the, the hourglass little granules were time's up and basically whatever protective enchantment the pool water had given him the healing, it was like, nope, you're done, you're, you're done, buddy. And the fact that he couldn't 
go back to the pool. I, I don't know. I don't know what to make of it, guys. I think that the novel was a bit clearer in the fact of like, he tried, yes, the long boy is preventing him for whatever reason, just catching up with Scott as it's been chasing him his whole life. You know, it got Paul, it scratched Paul in the show. Um, we can assume that that's what happened in the novel, but it's not concrete. But the long boy has been chasing Scott and it seems like it's been chasing lots of people. It's the reason why we all have to be so silent around the pool water is because he's coming and all kinds of stuff. This is why this novel is just a trip, you guys. This is such a trip and I can, you just, I rabbit hole myself. I absolutely twilight own myself with this stuff because I just have so many questions and so many threads that I want to follow and see where they lead. So with this, with, with this, in terms of Scott's fate via the show, he couldn't get to the pool, but the reason why he went to the pool anyway is because all of these old wounds came back. Why did that happen? That's what I want to know. Why did that happen? What happened? Like, what is it about the infection from childhood? Or is there just a timer of, like, the sacred pool's magic that, you know, it doesn't last forever or or what happened so i have a lot of questions and i would love to talk about this with you guys especially if you've read the book because i think in the novel i was more upset <laughs> with uh how nothing could be done uh the first time i read it it just made me mad probably because my heart was broken that's probably why i was angry because i was sad um but i feel at least in the novel we do have a concrete kind of of understanding he ate the food of Booyah Moon and he was cursed and marked and it whatever the toxicity or the the poison of this mystical dualistic place followed him back to the human realm and just took his life fast um, because he tried to get to the pool he couldn't and it's so sad guys it's just such a heartbreaking thing so um Scott's fate I just have a lot of questions as to okay if they're going from the angle of the scratch from his brother okay so why would that take away the magic and cause all the wounds to come back if it was before he puked up the water, right? Because remember, he throws up the water. This is after his hand is bleeding. He's like looking at it in horror in the bathroom. And then his chest, he's got like, he's got like a gunshot wound in his chest. And, and then he goes and we seemingly breathe a sigh of relief that, okay, he did go to the pool because he's looking good. But then as soon as he gets back, all of it comes back. The bloody hand, the gunshot, he vomits up the Booyah Moon water, the pool. And so it's like, okay, so what the hell? <laughs> like, I just want to know concretely. And unfortunately, we're not going to get those answers in the novel or in the show, it seems. It seems like this is one of those where we got to suspend our disbelief and just let it go and let go of the schematics and the fine details. But I am curious and I'd like to see what the cumulative hypotheses are out 
out there about this. Like, what are we all using our own breadcrumbs that we've had from this adaptation in the show, as well as what we know from the novel? Like, I wonder what Steve is doing with this. He gave us a really awesome scene showing us the scott arriving to this super cool event lots of fans we even have another crazy guy who carved him the coolest creepiest like harry potter wand and of course it had the bodies from the long boy which as we find out throughout the show and throughout the novel scott's been writing about booyah moon his whole life like booyah moon is everywhere in his novels so it looks like we've got the body monster which is the long boy and somebody carved that out in this magic wand we have mention of the pool and this is a perfect segue to my next topic uh the lighthouse is on the cover of the coaster's daughter which is a scotland and bestseller as they all are but last week if you guys listened to episode six my point on the uh the lighthouse i knew i mean we all knew that this is the thing guys this is a big part of the show that is not in the novel if i have read it correctly i don't recall um the lighthouse it is mentioned of course in in the novel as being on the cover but i Okay, so this lighthouse has been popping up. Last week, I brought in my Lord of the Rings knowledge and was thinking to myself, okay, is it the Eye of Sauron? Like, the Eye of Sauron, if you guys know from Lord of the Rings, is like this, the evil eye, quite literally an eyeball atop Middle Earth from the Dark Tower, well, not the Dark Tower, a Dark Tower, <laughs> from uh, one of the towers in the evil place of Mordor, and it's looking for the ring, and it's looking all over the place, and it's this creepy eye. I was trying to connect some dots, and my hypothesis is, is that lighthouse thing inside of Scott's office we see it also in Booyah Moon and I was like is the long boy is he connected to that does he have like this kind of GPS into our world where he is able to get that thing going and that little light bulb and we actually see Lisi pick it up and I I thought there was a plug attached. I didn't see a plug. So this thing just turns on on a whim. So this is definitely a mystical object of which we have several mystical objects inside the Lisi Story novel. We've actually seen a few in the show. Um, the yellow afghan for one, um, the shovel, there's quite a few. There's a silver bell in the novel, which is a cool one. Um, and uh, there's a there's a lot of mystical uh, objects in this episode in terms of uh, and the show in its entirety. We have that hypodermic needle. We've got the um, the lighthouse. We've got a couple things going on, guys. Um, so I am super curious as to what's happening with this lighthouse. So my next point that I want to ask you guys is specifically something that Lisi said because. I, we're going to talk, we're going to wrap up, uh, you know, when the show ends <laughs> in a, the next week or so. We'll do a huge breakdown of, like, maybe some of the areas that needed some work. The script, I think, in this episode, it's getting a little loose. We need a little tightening. I'm not going to get too much into that. We can expect more on that later. But something Lisi was saying to Darla and Amanda 
absolutely had me completely confused, guys. So last week I also talked about, in addition to the lighthouse, I asked what the hell is an anchor? Because it is said that certain items can be anchors inside or outside of Buyo Moon. So for example, we see Scott peel the yellow afghan off of Lisi saying this is an anchor and they weren't able to leave Buyo Moon with it wrapped around her. Then um, Lisi tells Amanda when they're kind of both in Buyo Moon together, you're an anchor. Um, she, did you know you're an anchor? This episode, we get this wacky line when she's prepping them about what they're going to do when Jim Dooley gets here about doubles. Did you guys hear that? Doubles? Do you remember when Lisey was talking about that? She's like, when did you know you were a double? When did you know Scott was a double? And I was like, what the hell? What's a double? What's going on? We've got anchors. We've got doubles. What? Um... So the only thing I could think about that I, I mean, granted, I have no conclusions whatsoever, but I'm really confused. But we do see in this episode, Scott, I believe it's before or maybe post dying, he walks over to the pool and sits down and pulls up his hood on a hoodie and just sits and that's indicative to me of kind of like a spirit in limbo people who have I don't know they can never leave and maybe as the years wear on he might be one of those people with the latex bubble around them the deflated latex bubble I don't know but it's like okay a double does that mean that in some capacity that Scott is alive um is his spirit sort of alive in the fact that like his body is dead but a part of him is forever at the pool in Buya Moon? I don't know. And so Amanda was able to escape and she seems to have a knowledge about it but won't tell. She's like, I don't want to talk about it. It's too upsetting. Don't ask me. Don't make me talk about it. So I'm desperate to learn more of what Steve is doing in terms of his edits with what we know from the novel and then what he's doing with the show. But like the doubles thing, I'm I'm so confused, guys. I may have missed something. I don't think I did, but I'm I'm very confused. A double. Um WTF, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Um WTF and WTH, like I I don't know, guys. I'm I'm really lost. And my boyfriend was asking about it, and I was like, I got nothing for you, dude. I'm confused. I don't understand what it means. Um a, a double mean the only, I guess because Amanda technically speaking was in the Green Lawn Hospital. You know, her body was there, but yet her whole body, entity, spirit, mind was in Booyah Moon. So is that what they're talking about? Like how you're able to be two places at once? We did see that Scott was, I guess, double-esque because he was at the pool with the yellow afghan and then he was catatonic at the office and his desk and Lisey's yelling she's like help me help me get to you help me get you there um do you want to come home so is that the double they are referring to question mark um is that what king is trying to do 
doubles? Like, is that only specific people? Is that for people who cut? Is that for people who have known great pain? I don't know, guys, but the more this show goes, the more questions I have and the more I want to discuss and... I'm loving it. It's so weird. It's so weird and good. And I think that um, once more, if you read this book, guys, this show is going to be such a treat. It's such a chef's kiss after you finish the novel because it's really going to illuminate some odd, strange, um, repetitive things inside the book, but it's also opening a whole new can of confusing for me, guys, which is why I love dissecting it with all of you week by week to see maybe... I, I'm really excited to see his creative decision-making process with this show, and that's what makes it so cool, is King is sort of rewriting his own work and making decisions that are either going to bring greater clarity or greater confusion, which I'm feeling a little confused, not gonna lie. So I'm uh, excited, but confused regarding the doubles, question mark, slash anchor. Those are two terms I am not familiar with. I did not find them in the novel, but um, yeah, so I would like to discuss this further with all of you. But before we talk about favorite performance and favorite scene, I did want to read a portion of the book that sort of made me feel all the feels um, because I, I needed to be with my feelings about this last episode. But this is on page 432, and this is sort of Lisi coming to terms with what happened to Scott. This is re-emphasizing his tragic character fate, as well as maybe just having King explain to all of us that, hey, you're really not gonna get why this guy died because he was marked from day one. He just was. He was somebody who was gonna burn bright and die tragically, and that's just how I wrote him. So I want to see uh, what you guys think of this scene. It uh, made my heart swell a little bit, and this is the last paragraph of page 432. And what had caused his final illness? His death certificate claimed pneumonia, and she had no problem with that. They could have been, they could have put nibble to death by ducks on it, and he'd have been just as dead. But she couldn't help wondering. Had his death been on a flower that he had picked up and smelled, or a bug that had slipped its sipper under his skin as the sun went down red in its house of thunder? Did he get it on a quick visit to Buyamun a week or a month before his final reading in Kentucky, or had it been waiting for decades, ticking like a clock? It might have been in a single grain of dirt that got under one fingernail while he was digging his brother's grave. Just a single bad bug that lay asleep as the years passed, finally waking up at his computer one day when a reluctant word finally came to him and he snapped his fingers in satisfaction. Maybe, terrible thought, but who knew? She had even brought it back herself from one of her own visits, a lethal mite in a tiny dot of pollen he had kissed from the tip of her mo nose. Oh shit, now she was crying. So yeah, I think <laughs> as I read it once more, it all it also 
uh, it's kind of like a heavy blanket being wrapped around me as I realize uh, we're not gonna find out. We're just not gonna get closure. We're never gonna get closure on Scott's death. We're just not because he's supposed to be a tragic passing for us. He is the reader. He is reader and viewer. He is supposed to be someone who's, whose life was extraordinary and tragic and full of trauma and yet success and fame and glory and this beautiful, beautiful marriage with Lisi, which we epically see because for this week's breakdown of the episode, the favorite scene and favorite performance are the same thing. And that is the hospital bed with Scott and Lisi saying their goodbye. So favorite performance is Scott and Lisi or Clive Owen and Julianne Moore. And the scene is the hospital room. There's some really cool lighting in the background. It's supposed to be machines sort of uh, through an opaque glass there, or but there's a lot of rainbow and color and light. It's very mystical and magical, and I love the filming, how it's just the two of them in the center. I cried. Granted, I'm a huge crier. I love crying in movies, guys. I love catharsis. That's why the Greeks invented it. We're supposed to cry. We're supposed to feel. We're supposed to let it all out. And that's what I do at every opportune moment. So I definitely had some quiet tears fall out. I wiped them and just was hanging on every word because I feel this scene in this episode, my friends, is like the heart of the book. And this is why King loves it so much. This is a story about a man who is difficult and strange and frightening, but yet his heart has so much love for this average lady, this this average Jane, this plain Jane almost, who brought him such peace and love and joy and relief from a very painful life, a very painful existence full of terror and tragedy and God, just horrors, consistent horrors and uncertainty. And yet together they found this beautiful secret world, not even necessarily talking about Booyah Moon. And I think Julianne Moore or the character of Lisi gives that wonderful quote is there has to be a secret part in every marriage. And so I think that's a really layered thing. I'm choosing to look at it as a positive thing in this connotation. Like I think it's a beautiful thing. I don't think it's necessarily a negative thing um, to speak of in this moment, but like there was a secret world between them. And I think in all relationships, there's the the you and the me and the us and it's the us that is just magic it's magic and it's unique and it's this little bubble that only only your partner knows only you know and it's it's just this otherworldly unknown magic and i was so moved i just let myself break with it i cried i it was beautiful and there's so there's such strong performances and <laughs> I'm gonna keep it together as I talk, but I'm getting a little, I'm getting a little verklempt uh, because I'm so moved by this story. I'm so moved by the love that they have for each other. And even though this book is weird as hell, um, I feel it. I felt it in 
in the novel and I super felt it with this episode. It's a beautiful portion. It's necessary. I think we really needed it to really solidify that this crazy wacky wild show that is so David Lynch and so mysterious and odd and violent and frightening at its heart is this couple and this bond they have and this love and devotion they have for each other and what do they do when they don't have any more time together and what do you have when you say goodbye like that suddenly tragically and there's just nothing but love at the end and gratitude and oh heart broke so it's awesome it's my favorite performance and my favorite scene in one sandwich which I was drying my tears happily because I was so happy they did it so well I was moved so tremendous job from both of those actors and I thought it was beautifully filmed so whew, yeah okay we'll we'll move on but I got a lot of questions guys so next week I believe is the last one so we'll be sure to have coverage on that as soon as it drops hopefully we'll get some clarity I don't think we will so I would love to talk with all of you on your ideas based on what you feel King is doing with some of these shortcuts cuts some of these new paths he's taking in the show what the what the hell a double is an anchor i'm still curious so uh we'll have the last episode episode eight next week for everybody fingers crossed our mr jim dooley gets a heaping dose of justice i hope it's brutal <laughs> i'm pretty uh, bloodthirsty for his suffering based on how he hurt lisi not not my favorite uh, i'm always ready for the villains to meet their comeuppance and jim dooley's number is up karma is a coming and her name is booyah moon so i'm excited for that i We'll see you guys next week for episode 8 coverage. But if you haven't already, I would love if you could share the show with a friend if they are too making their way through the Lisi story experience. Um, send this their way and share some thoughts. I am always checking frequently the underrated SK Gmail account. So if you'd like to send me a note on your thoughts, please do as I will write back ASAP underrated SK at Gmail. You can also reach out on any of the socials, except TikTok, we're not on there. I do love watching TikToks, uh, but I don't make them, <laughs> so um, not on there yet, but we are on Twitter and Instagram, and we would love to hear from you and your thoughts on Lisey's story in the novel, Lisey's story in the show. We live and breathe Lisey's story because we're such a fan, so uh, please reach out, say hi, and if you haven't, please head over to Apple Podcasts and give the show a five star so we can grab more kinky readers and new readers of King altogether, which is the ultimate goal. But thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. I love you all. I hope you're all taking care, staying safe, enjoying summer on whatever continent that might be, and I will talk to you soon. Bye-bye.